you want to uh, take your time to find the text that we're in, uh, we'll be reading from Matthew chapter 7. Uh, let's just pray. Um, yeah, that, uh, over all those that give um, and contribute throughout the week uh, and that God would use uh, what we bring uh, through this church for his glory. Lord, we thank you uh, that you are the giver of all good things, God. Uh, that you are the God who has created a world where there is enough for all uh, and that you have called your church to be a place, a witness to uh, where all have access to all the things that you are uh, inviting us into. And we thank you, God, for every family, every person that serves, that gives. God, every person that comes along uh, to be there for someone else. God, we thank you uh, that we can all be part of your big picture. What an honor and uh, a privilege it is. God, we pray that as we give uh, and as your church, as we serve our community, Lord, that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in Matthew chapter 7. And Nathan spoke last week on the, the golden rule, um, ask, seek. Um, and we're up to verse 13. short amount of text for today. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction. And there are many who take it, for the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. It's a passage that we're probably familiar with. It's one that I don't think we're necessarily so familiar with some of the depth of what is communicated in this passage. Mandy, do you happen to know if we have any hula hoops around in the kids' church? Could you grab two and a ball for me? That would be fabulous. I need them a bit later. Enter through the narrow gate. The gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction. If you're like me and you haven't done all that much traveling outside of, you know, this little island nation in the corner of the world with, uh, as far as a, you know, western kind of history, there isn't a lot going on, so we don't have older buildings and we don't have older cities. You might imagine, like I did, what a gate means. Gate that we have here is either a hole in your back fence that the dog so wonderfully learns how to either climb over or jump 
uh, climb under or jump over. Um, or it's maybe a farm gate that you have to get out of the car to swing open, jump back in the car until you finally get old enough to tell the kids to get out of the car and open the gate. And they have to stand there while you drive through, no matter you know, the best times is when it's raining and the kids are just old enough to be told to get out of the car and go open the gate. And they've got to wait out there till you've driven through and shut the gate. Maybe you just drive that little bit slower for all the years that you had to get out, run back, get in, drive, get out, run back. So that's what a gate, I imagine, is about. It's a gap in a wall. That's not so much what this particular kind of gate is about. Um, a light ball, oh yeah, perfect, onto it. A gate in the place that this was written looks more like a place. You've heard the expression a gateway, you know, like the town of what's kind of half uh, like Bunbury is like the gateway to the southwest. A gateway is a pathway. It's a passage between one place and another, but it's not just a gap in a wall. A gateway in cities in the ancient Near East was not just where two parts of the wall didn't quite meet, but actually an entire functional space. Uh, depending on the size of the city, the size of the gateway would be different, depending on what gateway. There's usually one major one and some minor. But a gateway had a whole lot of things going on. Gateways, and if you're familiar with some of the Old Testament passages, you'll recognise that talks about people of prominence being recognised in the gate. Proverbs 31. Her husband is spoken well of in the gates of the city. So many of the texts that talk about something happening happen at the gates of the city. Why? It's a place of a number of things. I'm going to highlight four, but they're all kind of part of one aspect of life. So in the gates, there was law proceedings, legal proceedings. Would be where a case would be heard. Would be where someone would go when they had an issue with someone, with a neighbour, with a business partner. Uh, they would bring it before the judge who would sit at the gates. Commerce would happen in the gates. This is a place of trading where businesses would meet to make deals, where important people would meet to exchange ideas and uh, even where people from other cities where uh, there would be exchanges made was where things were bought and sold because wherever the major things happen, then the smaller things would begin to build around in that location. So if something was bought and sold, then it would be, you know, 
then use. So you imagine food begins to be produced because that's where the food is bought and sold. So then there would be the making of things. And so this area would extend out even beyond the inner parts of the gate, which the gateway was usually between the two walls of the city. A passage between uh, the inner and outer wall, an open space where the judges sat, commerce would take place, where civic responsibilities carried out. And I think of it like question time <laughs> or parliament, maybe, you know, like the council meetings where everyone comes. And it was also the place where ideas would be challenged, where the religious leaders of different or differing perspectives would hold their conversation. And so it was a place, maybe not of devotion or worship, but certainly a place where those ideas were discussed, were developed, were built, shared, where people were invited into discussion. And so the gates of the city are not just an in or out kind of idea, but the gate is a way, kind of like the path. The gate is narrow, the road is easy. Uh, sorry, the gate is narrow, but the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction. And so we come to this text that explains that if we're following Jesus, the gate is narrow. And so we imagine it's kind of hard to get in. But once you're in, you're in, Right? Once you're through the gate, that's all you need. That's all it takes. The road is easy that leads to destruction. You know, you don't have to go through the gate. Of course it's easy. You can go anywhere you like except through the gate. It's kind of not what it's getting at. Because it's not just a road, it's a pathway, just like it's a gateway and it's all talking about a way. This isn't a reference that jumps out of the blue to how we get into an eternal afterlife. And the gate and the thing that we're entering into, not here, this isn't talking about how to get into heaven. This is talking about the way that leads a person to destruction or a way that leads a person to life. And the way that leads to life is narrow. It's a challenge. It's a constant conversation. You imagine walking through this gateway where there is commerce and politics and legal proceedings. 
and oppositional points of view. And if the gate was wide, you could pass through and probably avoid the uncomfortable things, right? Just go over here, I'll just cross onto the other side of the road and I'll avoid that guy. And I don't really want to talk about that, so let's walk over there. And let's just stay well out of anything that's going to cause some kind of disruption. Let's just stay well away. Wouldn't it be easier? Wouldn't it be easier to never raise the issue or have the hard conversation? Wouldn't it be easier if you never had to speak up when someone had wronged you? Wouldn't it be easier if you never stood up for someone who'd been wronged? Wouldn't it be easier if we just ignore the issues that we don't really have to have anything to do with? If we're privileged enough, we can stay well out of it. But the word that we read today explains that the way that leads to life, that's a narrow way where you're going to have to pass through the conversations that are tough to have and get involved maybe in the things that require something of you and even maybe have to change a little bit. Reflect. Maybe pass through that place where you have to trade some things, put down something you're not supposed to take in with you and pick up something that you should. Maybe it's a time where you have to admit some guilt and start the process of making that right. Maybe it's a place where your ideas, the things that got you to that point, maybe they get challenged. Maybe it's about picking up some action and getting involved with something bigger than just me. that's the narrow gate you can't avoid but it's the way that leads to life this is the way that Jesus speaks of and we've done two chapters in that following him the promise is that it leads to life the hard part of that promise if we're real is that it doesn't always immediately lead to life for us individually. But the promise is that it leads to life. The, pr the difficulty is that sometimes it actually leads to being crucified. But it leads to resurrection life. That if the world would walk this way, then we would walk into a kingdom that looks like life. This is the promise. The path is easy that leads to destruction. But narrow is the way that leads to life. Have you ever found that it's a whole lot easier to know what you know 
to not have to deal with the complexity and the nuance and to not have the conversation, but this is the way that it is and I don't want to deal with anything more complex than that. It's easier. It's easier to have a one-way, my way, or the highway, kind of attitude to life. It's much easier to decide for yourself that this is the way it is. I think the hardest thing I've ever learnt to do in this whole time of attempting to follow Jesus is to learn to hear from someone else's perspective. To learn how to let their words actually teach me something when I disagree. Or worse, when I've wronged. It is the hardest thing to find common ground with someone that our initial reaction is that they're they're on the other side. It's the hardest thing to give grace when we've been hurt, to find space when it doesn't seem like others do. And so we have this reactionary culture where we take one side or the other and we don't attempt at all to find the narrow path between. Let me preface this by saying, and we've taught it for the last two chapters, that if there is ever a side to take, that Jesus shows us that it's the position of the one who is suffering If there is ever a place to start, it's on the side of the oppressed, no doubt. But he never stops there. He invites even those who are suffering to build bridges. Even those who have been hurt to forgive. Even those who are without to learn generosity. I mean, it is so upside down that even when we take it the way that this story wants us to, it still messes with us. Even when you think you've got it all figured out, the Holy Spirit still messes with us. I think this place where we decide we're on one side and the world is the other, whatever other that is, whether that other is some kind of, you know, worldly, you know, overly licentious, is that that the right word? You know, whether the other is that kind of other or whether the other is you know, the PC brigade or the, the, you know, we set ourselves up on the other side. And the challenge is how do we find this kind of narrow path that it talks about? 
Um, I want to do something, maybe if there is anyone who wants to volunteer or who's feeling um, like getting out of their seat for a minute. Uh, and it, I need two people who think they've got some good skills or ability, uh, maybe a little bit of sporting ability, uh, maybe slightly uh, even in height. Any volunteers? Or I'll uh, just start. <laughs> I've got, I, uh, we've got the sporting people up there. Um, all you've got to do is hold a hula hoop. Go. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. We got Richard and we got Luana. Cool. All right. So, okay, you can grab that one, and you can grab that one. Now we might get you um, to go up the back. So we'll have to swing our chairs around, or you know, just swing yourselves around. So, uh, Richard, you can come over here. Have um, start over this side. Now. I want you guys to come, you've got to work together, so you're not against each other here. You might be on opposite sides, but you're not against. Cross the hula hoops over. So, um, further apart, further apart, further apart, a little further, okay. What you need to do is hold that ball there. And then, yeah, so see if you can hold it without holding the hula hoop. So, hold, yeah, yeah so hold your hula hoop. Oh. And see if you can get this, okay, there you go. Yeah, and see if you can walk with it. Uh, try and get it out, out of the door. <laughs> Let's try that again. One more shot, we'll see. This is way harder than it looks. All right, see if you can walk with it. <laughs> All right, can we give him a hand? <laughs> Good job, guys. You actually held it for a time. So It is not easy at all, no. <laughs> it's actually quite precarious. Have you ever felt like maybe, maybe you're the ball in the situation? But, you know, most times we feel like it's about that easy to hold the balance. But this is where we're invited into leaning into his presence, allowing the Holy Spirit, the discernment that comes. We're spending time in his presence and growing deeper in our knowledge of who he is. And it's not a one-time decision. This kind of way to life is not something that happens in an instant. It's something that every moment, that every day, we wake up and we decide that we're going to commit to and we rely on the grace of God daily to live. And we get it wrong and we drop it and we put it back on again and we rely on the grace of God and we get it wrong and we drop it and we put it back again and we rely on the grace of God to pick it up again. Over and over again, this is the narrow way. That we would actually require discernment on a daily basis. That we would need to rely on the presence of God in such a way that we would be dependent on him because the places and the spaces that we walk into are not as easy as, well, it's always been that way, so that's what I say. Or I always heard it done that way or said that that was the answer, so that's what I know. 
but to be able to actually walk into those spaces that are as precarious as that game looked and lean into and have faith in a God that meets us there, that picks us up again and again and again and has showed us the way of grace that means always forgive, always give mercy, always step in again, always give all of yourself and that he's done it first, that he meets us in the midst of that. He gives us his Holy Spirit to begin to listen to. This is why I have found since maybe I first began to study Scripture in a very serious way that it did exactly the opposite of what everyone always said it would do. See, I was told that if you studied, it would, you know, it would make you um, confused and you'd, you know, you'd become spiritually dry or whatever. They, you know, like all those things that maybe it's not so prevalent now, but 10 or 15 years ago it was. It was the attitude. But I found exactly the opposite because I need God. I need his Holy Spirit more now, more every day than I ever did when I knew I had all the answers. When we search, when we seek, we find. But like manna, it's usually just for that day, not forever, and so we have to seek again. We have to walk the path again, to lean into the Spirit again, rely on His Holy Spirit, pick up our faith off the ground and trust him again. This is the narrow path, but it leads to life. It leads to life that looks like not just life for you, but for those around you. See, every time we learn, grow, show and exercise this kind of discernment. Every time we let what maybe needed to be sharpened or maybe the rough edges taken off, every time we become more of the person that we're called to be, the people around us benefit too. See, it's a way that leads to life. Our families benefit. Our communities benefit. Our church benefits. The world benefits when the church starts to walk in this kind of discernment. That doesn't say we're going to stay out of everything for popularity's sake. That doesn't operate in so much of a width of space that it can allow this, this gospel that speaks to life and freedom from oppression and just coexist alongside some of the most oppressive regimes in history. You know, this is what we're invited into, a kind of faith that will change the world, that will change our lives, will change our city, and will move us towards the kind of future that God intended for the world, the way that leads to life. There's a couple of other things about the gate. 
that I think are important for the church to recognise. Because sometimes we realise as long as we've got it figured out, then we're all good. As long as we enter through the narrow gate and, you know, maybe we want to tell some people what the, the gate looks like and hope they open it too. But see, these gates weren't like that at all. Actually, they were open all day, closed at sunset. And because most people worked outside of the city, most people had to go outside of the gates at some point. There are also various other reasons why you had to go outside the gates. Uh, depending on the size of your town or city, often you, just to you know, relieve yourself, leave the area of living space and go outside the gates. So, you know, this is a daily occurrence. You've got to go in and out of the gates. The only ones who didn't often were those who were outside the gates. And Jesus had some interesting things to say about that. But the point is, this is a place where everyone, everyone will be encountered. This is a space where you can't avoid people who are different or left out or not part of your, but everyone. And if we're not just an individual who goes through the narrow gate, but if we're a people, a church, who is to enter through the narrow gate, if we're just part of humanity and want to enter through the narrow gate, then we recognise that we're at that gate with a whole lot of other people. Second thing about this gate is that there are a whole lot of verses that prophetically talk about gates. You know my favourite is the one in Revelation that speaks about the fulfilment of what and who we're called to be at the church. And it speaks of there never being a time without light because Jesus is the light. And so therefore the gates don't have to be shut. And so no one's shut out. And so all those who are in Christ are invited into this picture that is not about in or out, but it's about life. And so as I close this morning, we have a chance every week to consider you know, what this narrow way is. We have a chance daily to reflect on one of the healthiest practices for some of us who are a little easy to get caught up in all the doing and not so much of the reflecting, is to daily ask, in what ways have I walked the narrow path and what ways have I taken the easy way out and God give me strength to face the narrow path again tomorrow and to take the way that you would have me take rather than the easy way out. There are a few that find it. I find that part so hard. Except for Jesus' promise that those who see 
have the opportunity to show those who haven't yet seen. That those who find life have the opportunity to witness to what that life looks like. So yes, it is a difficult way, but we're not off the hook if we can just figure it out for ourselves, but the challenge is to help others find it too. So as we prepare to come around the table this morning, let's take a moment to consider our week, our world, and the ways which we can confess daily, collectively and personally. Ways which we sometimes take the easy way or fail just to step into the narrow way because I think that's the point. The easy way is that easy. It just means avoiding the gate. Let the Spirit discern. As you pray, prayer of confession today. Make that not just a confession, but a commitment to change. To lean into the Holy Spirit regularly. To allow that discernment. To teach us to walk the narrow way. Let's pray. Lord, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. We've not loved you with our whole heart, not loved our neighbor, stranger, our enemy, as you first loved us. Lord, we don't always take the narrow way. We so often stay where it's comfortable, where it's easy, safe. Help us to walk in your way. By the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to discern what is the narrow way for any situation and to remain in the humility that's required to do that again tomorrow. We would be a church, a people that live for the glory of your name. Amen. Now, if you're new with us, um, we share communion weekly uh, for some of the reasons that I've mentioned this morning, but also. Uh, because it's one of those spaces where we can come weekly and recognize that we need the grace of God. If we're to become the kind of people that this practice witnesses to, kind of people where you know, everyone is welcome around the table, then we require his grace, his strength. So this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It's made ready for those who love God and those who want to love God more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have a little. 
you who have been here often, and you who have just come for the first time. You who have tried to follow Jesus, you who have failed in following Jesus, you who have just decided to follow Jesus today, come. Let nothing keep you from love's feast. Let nothing empty this table of its power. Leave judgment behind and receive mercy. Leave indifference behind and recognize God's family. Leave now if necessary. Go and be a forgiver because it is the Lord who invites us. It is God's will that those who desire Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit would encounter him here. So come.